Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Short Rest. I am Fletch the Dungeon Master, and today I'm joined by Chris Tulock, otherwise known as Gilbert Gilly. Good night. Chris, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Fletch. I wanted to talk to you, uh, especially because you have possibly the longest involvement with Dungeons and Dragons, and I would also say the deepest involvement with Dungeons and Dragons out of anyone on the podcast. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. Um, yeah, I've been playing D and D for a very long time, so <laughs> i I started uh, I started playing D and D in uh, December of 1983. Um, I was 10 years old. And uh, the reason why I started playing Dungeons and Dragons was um, I uh, was really big in a fantasy. Uh, I was in fourth grade and uh, I really loved uh, a fantasy. Um, I was always into like dragons and knights and all kinds of cool fantasy things when I was a little kid. Um, as I got a little bit older, I discovered J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and read it like three times that year uh, from cover to cover. I love the book so much. And my folks um, knew that I was interested in fantasy, but they really didn't have much of a sense of like what there was out there. But uh, they had heard of this uh, game uh, called Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, I had probably maybe mentioned it to my mom and dad a couple of times. I had seen um, a lot of like advertisements for action figures and the and board games and the role playing game in like comic books and such. Um, and so I was really interested in trying it out. I also uh, started watching the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Which was really, really sweet. I love that cartoon so much. Venger is one of my favorite bad guys of all time. He's totally cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's just the best. So uh, yeah. So they knew that like what does like that. I liked Dungeons and Dragons stuff, but I didn't really have any of it. Right. I didn't, I didn't have like action figures or anything like that. But um my folks uh, at Christmas time uh, decided to get me a Christmas present and they bought me the classic red box set, um, the Frank Metzer edited version of the red box. And that became my introduction to the world of D and D. And I remember really vividly too. Um, so I got the red box, you know, on Christmas morning and I was super excited and uh, opened it up and uh, started looking through all the components in the box and there's a really great, still, in my opinion, one of the best introductions to a D&D game ever. Uh, there's a really great um, uh, short Choose Your Own Adventure, which was like all the rage at the time. Everybody read Choose Your Own Adventure books. Um, and that taught you all the rules of the game. And you played as a fighter um, and you went through this dungeon, right, on your first quest, really. And I remember reading it that night, Christmas night, right? And I was sitting in my bed reading and it was late and I was getting tired. And I remember getting to a section where you kind of run into uh, some ghouls and it just freaked me out, right? It totally freaked me out. <laughs> and like, it was at that moment that I'm like, okay, I'm super like into this and this is awesome and I love it. And I totally want to you know share this with my friends. Well, I didn't really know a lot of friends that played Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so 
uh, over the Christmas break, uh, what I did is I read up on the rules and then uh, my brother, Nick, and uh, my two cousins, Jason and Steve and I basically formed our very first group because we were hanging out all weekend, all week really, uh, for the holiday break. And we started running our first game and I started DMing at 10 years old uh, with having no other playing experience with the game. And of course we got everything wrong and kind of, tried to figure it all out and you know it was really <laughs> crazy and kind of awful but also awesome so that's sort of you know where things started with me and D. yeah yeah and then after that you know i was in love with it brad and i talked about that a little bit the, the getting into D and the, the uh, in those first few editions some of our uh, listeners might not realize that Dungeons and Dragons has gone through multiple editions over the years, uh, with you know different rules variations and settings and all that kind of stuff. But some of those early editions were a little bit difficult, a little thick to get into, especially for younger kids. So, sort of mm-hmm. making your own rules and trying to figure everything out uh, was almost a rite of passage back then. Yeah, I would say that um, the. Frank Metzer edited version of the red box, the one with the classic Larry Elmore cover on it uh, with the fighter uh, battling the red dragon is probably one of the most approachable ones for younger audiences, but it still was, you know, tough. Right. But I was reading basic D and D right at that time, the game had split into AD and D and, and, and D and D. And so D and D was designed for a little bit younger audience and a little bit simpler rules. So there was still a lot of, sort of arcane mystery behind the game but i it wasn't like i was picking up like a first edition ad and d dungeon master's guide as my first supplement (laughs) so so it was a little easier on me to kind of get to it but i you know quickly you know after we had started playing D &D for a little bit right i quickly wanted more of the products and i got into uh more of the basic D &D products and and picked up a bunch of a bunch more stuff um and eventually, um, I never really got into AD&D during its height. Um, I picked up a couple of the source books, but I was always a little intimidated by it because I did feel like it was a little advanced, right? It said advanced on the cover, and I was like, well, I don't know if I'm advanced yet, right? You know, I kind of <laughs> like this game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't play uh, AD&D at all until like right before second edition came out. And then I made a decision because I was 16 and I was, you know, starting to work and I was in high school. Um, I made a decision that, hey, this is going to be my edition of AD&D. And so when second edition came out, I went all in on the game and uh, I picked up everything for second edition for years and years. And it was right around that same time that I started discovering conventions. I went to my first Gen Con in 1987 and uh and then by the time second edition had come out in 89 i was already running uh games at conventions dming uh tables of uh players with uh adventures that i created myself excellent um now in adventure they wrote you play gilly who is a lightfoot halfling monk yes so why don't why don't you tell our listeners what a lightfoot halfling is first sure so uh, a halfling is a, uh, a race of basically wee folk, 
right? So these are um, like hobbits, kind of, uh, from Lord of the Rings, a little bit like hobbits. Uh, they uh, tend to live in cozy homes, right? And they tend to uh, uh, be really communal and uh, value friendships and, and relationships a lot. Um, and uh, halflings are kind of represent, I think, in my opinion, right? They represent a lot of the um, gentler and more interesting sides of human beings that are not as nefarious or, um, or dark. Um, they kind of emphasize more of a brighter side of humans. Um, even though they're not humans themselves, uh, they share a lot of traits with humans. Um, Lightfoot halflings tend to be more adventuresome. Um, they tend to be uh, the halflings that um, are willing to kind of go out and go on adventures. They tend to be a little more mischievous maybe than some of their other uh, halfling cousins. And so uh, Gilly sort of fits that mold. Um, he's, you know, a lightfoot halfling. So he's uh, really uh, into uh, new experiences and meeting new people and exploring his world. And one of my favorite parts about Gilly is the the way that you kind of twisted the monk class for him and for the environment specifically. So for our listeners, uh, monks are a martial class. They're a martial artist. And typically that means they're steeped in sort of Eastern martial arts and, and uh, that kind of aesthetic, but you have sort of a unique take on that to put Gilly in this urban setting. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, what I wanted to do is when I was uh, concepting a character for Adventure They Wrote and talking with the rest of the group, um, the two principles that came to mind that were really important to me were first um, to come up with a character that kind of fit the aesthetic of the noir theme, right? So I wanted to have a character that kind of represented sort of an element of what I would consider to be like a noir adjacent theme. And so I picked uh, sort of like the idea of like a newsy or news, uh, news hound, as I call him. Um, but basically um, someone who works at a newspaper. Right. So kind of taking sort of not the idea of necessarily the reporter themselves, but kind of the, the, the actual publisher and 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 the, you know, people that actually uh, work at the newspaper themselves um, to make the paper. So Gilly uh, represented that part of it. And then the other piece uh uh, was that I wanted Gilly to um, be uh, someone that when I think of him and visualize him, he uh, he it wears a very simple, simple, you know, work clothes or or, or kind of common street clothes, uh, maybe with a little bit of a vest for flair and things like that. But he doesn't actually like walk around in adventuring gear, per se. I didn't want him to have a lot of adventuring gear. And then I kind of tried to say, okay, I have this concept of this character in my mind, right? Because I started sort of with sort of what is his background, right? And then as I was looking for classes, I was like, well, how can I express this character best in class, in a class representation, right? In D&D. And, you know, looking through the player's handbook, right? Because that's usually where I kind of begin and most times end with a lot of my character concepts. Um quickly you kind of come to okay well what characters can't wear armor right well okay your characters that really uh can't wear armor are like wizards right yeah um and and monks and barbarians don't have to wear armor right they can get a pretty decent armor class benefit from not even wearing armor at all so you have like 
those options and sorcerers maybe too. And, and so when I look at those, I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to make a character like I don't want to play a fighter that doesn't wear armor because I'm like, well, that's not really doing the group any justice by saying, oh, well, I'm going to play a character that really isn't being is isn't using the tools of his class. Right. Um, so I decided, well, instead, what I want to do is I want to uh, fit the class really well, uh, feel like I'm contributing and that I'm making a positive impact when there's a combat or there's some reason that, you know, we have to pull out mechanics. Um, so kind of looking at those, I kind of said, okay, well, we have wizards, sorcerer, barbarian, and monk. And as I was thinking about Gilly, I started to kind of like look at um, the monk and say, you know, um, the monk would be really cool with this character because uh, I could translate the whole idea of martial arts into sort of boxing, which is obviously much more kind of steeped in, at least in, you know, in my mind, right, in sort of more of a Western technique and, and uh, particularly associated with things like, you know, black and white films for me, right, or, or you know, um, just like classic uh, cinema, right, in a lot of ways. Um, so I said, well, you know, if I take the monk and kind of just reskin it as like a pugilist or a boxer, right, then I think that that actually gets me there right and so then i was like well how do i kind of get that in and kind of marry that to the character and what it winds up being is that um in gilly's backstory right um he uh he was picked on when he was younger uh he grew up um he grew up uh, uh in a hard neighborhood um his uncle actually made his fortune by uh founding the Waterdeep underpress the paper he works for but he uh, he uh, and his family uh, didn't always have that uh, that luxury. And uh, when he was younger, when he was a teenage halfling, uh, he got in a really bad fight. Um, he got uh, beat up by some bullies. And uh, after that happened, his father um, suggested that uh, he um, maybe want to learn self-defense. So uh, what he did is he uh, he referred him to uh, Tiny's gym, and uh, Tiny is a uh, half work uh, in the city that um, and she runs this uh, boxing gym. She's a she's a half work that runs this boxing gym, and uh, her explicit purpose for setting up this gym is really to kind of help out people that you know need uh, a place to go uh, to you know, let off steam and, uh, you know, develop discipline and uh, and just sort of kind of have an outlet, right, uh, for their energy. So uh, Gilly, uh, you know, learned how to box through Tiny's gym. And uh, and then Tiny started training, uh, training Gilly, you know, in, uh, in boxing. So Gilly has become an amateur boxer and kind of does boxing bouts uh, on his off hours uh, when he's not working at the paper and when he's not adventuring. Or working at the you know the uh, the agency now. I think that's one of the things I love most about this game is the ability to kind of take things and tweak them a little bit, and you know alter the style so that they fit the the image that you have in your head. Uh, especially for something like this, where we've got this noir themed campaign, we're really drawing a lot from you know, old movies and, and even, even to a certain extent, like old radio plays and that kind of thing. Uh, and I, I really appreciate that about Gilly, that he is, 
this this archetype from Dungeons and Dragons that's been around for decades, but just in a way that I've never seen it before. Um, taking the Eastern martial arts thing, twisting it, and making it uh, a, a bare knuckle boxing, you know, something you'd see out of like 1910, 1920s New York. Yeah. I love it. That's sort of the inspiration. It's more more of that era, you know, a little bit before the actual noir era, but still kind of feels uh, appropriate enough for, for the campaign. Absolutely. Half Hobbit, half Raging Bull. Yeah, a little bit of that. A uh, little less raging, but yes. Uh, <laughs> more with the fancy footwork. Um, you yeah. know, I, I love uh, the Rocky, you know, pictures. And, you know, I love uh, the idea of the the comeback kid and the fighter, right, that is in the ring and, you know, has to kind of, you know, weather, you know, whatever opponent they're facing and, you know, finds a way to win, even though it looks really bleak for them. And so that's sort of just a fun character archetype to kind of play around with. And so then the hardest part was really kind of trying to figure out like, well, what subclass am I going to choose for Gilly uh, once I got to, the appropriate level at, at level one you don't have to worry about that but uh but soon enough you do with a monk and uh i wound up going with drunken master uh because i really think that i wanted to stay away from sort of the more mystical yeah side of being a monk yep and be more of a physical uh kind of showy kind of monk right uh and i thought that was the closest thing I could find for the monk subclasses that really represented what a bare knuckle boxer could do. I agree. I don't know if it's entirely right for the character because Gilly is not a drunk. No, not really. But he does like to drink. He doesn't have a problem with that. But yeah. but the idea of the drunken master's techniques uh, are very similar to something that, like, I think a halfling boxer might use. Yeah, it's much, and it's much more grounded. It's not the sort of like using your spiritual energy. You're actually using your physical power in your body. Yeah. To accomplish the the things that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And the thing that's really great is um, I feel like, you know, with a halfling boxer, right, you're you're always trying to use your size uh, to your advantage as much as much as possible, because you're often going to be facing up against larger foes. And I feel like the drunken master kind of feels very natural for a halfling uh, to try to use those techniques uh, to kind of put their uh, larger opponents off balance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with a, with a character that focused on sort of the, the physical side of things, the combat side of things, um, how do you sort of approach the more investigative side, the more, you know, kind of conversational and, uh, interrogation sort of thing that the Waterdeep Detective Agency has to, uh, deal with on a fairly regular basis? So uh, Gilly is not a character that's trained in investigation. He's also not particularly smart. I mean, he's not he's not dumb uh, and he's not uh, uh, really thick headed. Um, but um, but Gilly's more well-rounded sort of. Um, uh, he tends to uh, take on problems uh, with a much more practical sense than some of the other party members do. I mean, the Countess and Celine can both be very eccentric in their ways. Uh, Max is certainly uh, a trained investigator, so he has his own sort of set of skills. And uh, Doran is unorthodox in a lot of ways, right? Uh, Because he's a druid and he's sort of an outsider. So Gilly kind of represents sort of the common 
working folk right approach to things um and oftentimes uh what he do is he's really good at reading people and also kind of interacting with them um like he's pretty charismatic um so he's happier to kind of uh, lean on that and being sort of a sort of a man of the people kind of uh, character uh rather than uh taking like a more um uh more measured uh investigative approach to things i like that i like that he's also kind of the 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 deepest connection to water deep probably within the group he his street level knowledge of what's going on uh sort of gives him a understanding of the city that a lot of the other characters don't have the countess is kind of up in her ivory tower um you know celine and max are are sort of this they represent like this kind of seedy underside but max is almost like the the, i don't want to say the everyman but the 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 most in tune with the goings on of waterdeep as a whole as opposed to one specific side of the the city yeah, I would say that's probably accurate. the The challenge Max runs into is he's a goblin, right? Yeah. So he's just never going to completely fit in, and that's where Gilly can actually help to temper that a little bit. Uh, having Gilly and Max work together uh, means that we kind of cover both sides of it, right? Max has all the skills and knowledge and uh, to be a good investigator, uh, and he's trying very hard to kind of erase his uh, his you know, dubious past. Whereas uh, Gilly just kind of naturally kind of can fit in, in so many situations and just sort of be there and be a presence and kind of be uh, more of a, I would consider Gilly more of like a foundational kind of rock character, right? Where he, where he's just, uh, you know, a reliable character that, that can always be there to get your back. Oftentimes I find myself, you know, doing like lookout duty with Gilly, right? Or uh, other things like of that nature to kind of, um, you know, answering the door at the office a lot um, because I kind of feel like that's sort of one of Gilly's roles on, on the, in the group is just to kind of be like more of a protector type because really when it comes down to actual physical combat, right, uh, Gilly and Doran are really the two fighting characters in the group. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's all I had, Chris. Uh, we can go ahead and end this episode of Short Rest. Uh, and I will thank everyone for listening to the podcast and tuning in. Yeah, thanks a lot, folks. It's, you know, getting the response from people is really great. So, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and, you know, keep listening. I want to thank. Um, tabletop audio for the the great sounds i know um jason is producing the podcast and the level of of immersion that those sound effects offer is really fantastic so we want to thank those guys too and uh encourage you to keep tuning in for more dicey noir action yeah thanks a lot folks it's been great I hope that you stay along for more adventures. I think we have a lot of really fun stuff coming up. 